Hey, what's up, passionate DJs? If you're like me, you're probably spending a lot more time at home right now, maybe not on the road as much, doing the social distancing thing or self-quarantine. Um, and so if you're finding yourself listening to a lot more episodes of the Passionate DJ podcast, for example, maybe you normally listen to the audio version, uh, this would be a great time for you to follow the YouTube channel because we do put together YouTube versions of every single podcast episode, um, put a little bit of effort into making those look nice. And so uh, maybe you're at home now and this would be a good time for you to explore the YouTube channel. So even if you would uh, prefer to listen, you know, maybe you normally drive a lot and you would want to listen on the road, uh, if you would go and just give us a, give us a subscribe and uh, watch those videos on YouTube for the time being, it actually would really help out the channel and uh, get those stats up, show the algorithm that people are watching us, and the more that we uh, get those kind of numbers and stats up, the more cool stuff that we can continue to create, including episodes of the Passionate DJ podcast like this one. Now, with that being said, follow us at youtube.com slash passionate DJ, and then let's get on to some bad hilarious and awful DJ gig stories. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and this is the return of Bad DJ Gigs. Actually, this is the third part of a Bad DJ Gigs episode. This is something that has been part of Passionate DJ's story uh, almost ever since the beginning. The very first uh, Bad DJ Gigs episode was episode 17, and that was literally years ago. I think 2014 we did that one. And then we did the return of Bad DJ Gigs episode 130, and uh, now we're approaching episode 200. We're almost there. And so, you know, a lot of people are having a lot of downtime right now. And I thought that, you know, maybe it would be good to share some stories that might not make you feel so bad that you have to stay home. <laughs> so some of these are going to be uh, well, weird, scary stories. Um, usually they're uh, kind of humorous. Um, but these are just, you know, some of the things that we run into as DJs. Uh, we like being able to bring those stories in and share them with each other and uh, relate to them. And so I wanted to go ahead and dedicate this episode uh, to some more bad DJ gigs. So I hope you enjoy. And uh, the very first place I want to start actually is in the Passionate DJ community group on Facebook. Now, once again, if you want to join the conversation, you can do that by going to passionatedj.com slash community. It'll forward you right to that group you can join and uh you know there's a lot of conversation a lot of questions that get answered in there a lot of talking about the actual individual episodes or pieces of content that we create um the one thing that we do uh ask is that you don't just uh, spam your mixes or website or anything in there we do have a one week uh, one day a week thing called fire away fridays that we dedicate specifically to that uh, so that we can all get it out of our system so uh, join us over there but in any case here are a couple stories submitted from members of the group this one comes from allison says i showed up to a dj i showed up to dj a wedding ceremony on the beach and they said that they would have everything set up when I arrived, the speakers were there, but no power cords or generator, and the nearest house was probably 500 meters away. I had to drive around the small town myself to find enough extension cords, and then go, and then go knock on the nearest house to ask them to use their power. Yikes. Needless to say, everything got plugged in within like five minutes to spare. Oh, I'm sorry. Everything got plugged in with like five minutes to spare before the bride walked down the aisle. That was my last wedding gig. Yeah, Allison, I do not blame you. And I've actually run into that scenario before. It wasn't a wedding in my case. This was more of like a, uh, like an after party to a club night. 
but I showed up and just it was like three in the morning and nothing was set up and nobody seemed to be of sound mind to be able to help me get set up and I just got a little frustrated and left so a little bit different situation but I feel your pain with uh, you know when you show up you feel the sense of responsibility that hey I'm supposed to make the the sound and music happen and it's not and it's kind of like nothing you can do about it uh, thanks for sharing your story Allison this one comes from DJ Frankie J I was DJing a wedding another wedding story we had just had the first dance. The bride leaves the dance floor to get a drink at her table. I announce that we need her for the father and daughter dance. I wait a few seconds, and she's still drinking. I make my way over there. I have background music playing. I get to the table, and she starts yelling at the top of her lungs at her parents and family table how they just showed up for the free alcohol and food. Cussing, yelling, and a lot more family drama was put out there. Everyone was in awe. I mentioned that it was time for the daughter dad, uh, the dad-daughter dance. She looked at her dad and says, "Are you ready to f-ing do this or what?" <laughs> wow. It was the longest dance ever and the whole time everyone is leaving. By the time we finished that dance and the mom and son dance, almost 3 quarters of the guests had left. I DJed the rest of the night for about 30 people, and mostly 20 of them stayed outside smoking cigarettes back-to-back all night. So, basically, 10 people stayed inside and listened to me DJ and ate cake. Hashtag best wedding ever. <laughs> wow. Man, I can't imagine just the, the, the father and daughter just getting into it in the middle of what's supposed to be this super special magical night, and just I, you would want to shrivel up and die. I just That's giving me so much anxiety to think about it right now. The story comes in from uh, Dan J., it says, I was hired by a young couple for a backyard wedding. I only took the job as a favor for the groom's uncle, who I knew from my day job. They liked hard rock and pretty much wanted nothing but Stone Temple Pilots, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, etc. Now, we eventually met in the middle and decided to play more traditional wedding music, but no Macarena, Chicken Dance, etc. The bride's aunt got progressively drunker and drunker while repeatedly hounding me for the chicken dance. Her brother, that's the bride's dad, eventually confronted me, grabbed me by the tie, pulled me over my turntables while screaming at me to play the f***ing chicken dance, you little shit. <laughs> what? Where do these people come from? <laughs> the groom and the bride's dad started a fist fight and the cops had to calm things down. There were almost arrests. My big mistake was not getting my balance paid by the father at the beginning of the wedding. He refused to pay me, and the bride and groom ended up ripping open envelopes looking for cash to pay me. Ouch. How embarrassing. I hate weddings. By the way, I'm also the one that had you, the you dropped a bomb on me slash Timothy McVeigh story, which if you want to hear that story, you can go to passionatedj.com slash 130. That's the return of bad DJ gigs. Or you can go, if you're feeling really OG, you can go all the way back to passionatedj.com slash 017. Listen to one of our very first episodes uh, and the first in this series, bad DJ gigs. All right, so for the rest of our stories, um, actually in a little bit we're going to check in with Trip Turlington, who is also uh, quarantined at home. Uh, He's going to uh, tell us what he's been up to and then share a bad gig story of his own. But before we do all that, I want to play some clips for you because what we've actually done is over the course of the past year or maybe a little bit more than that, uh, we've actually been collecting 
bad gig stories from special guests that we've had here in studio. So uh, even though a lot of us are locked down right now, this uh, episode can actually sort of act as a sort of time capsule because we've already recorded a lot of uh, either on-site, on-location, or here in-studio interviews with people, uh, which we can't currently really do, uh, but we can still bring them to you today because we've already been collecting them. So it kind of works out for today's episode. And uh, this first uh, story that I'm going to bring in that we um, uh, recorded previously was from a good friend of the show, B-Funk, Brandon is his name. Uh, He came down from Northern Ohio, and uh, he told us about another wedding gig that he's certainly never going to forget. So speaking of which, uh, one of our favorite recurring series is the Bad DJ Gigs. Um, I'm going to start trying to ask people as they come in if they have any. Do you have any bad DJ gig stories you want to share? Dude, so I have... (laughs) He's been waiting for this one. (laughs) (laughs) This one one does... I think you've probably submitted one before. I submitted submitted one about the... um, You submitted a couple. Two, I submitted the the Juicy J where I had a a direct support for Juicy J in the middle of March outdoors, and it was like 18 degrees, and my, my, uh, I have a Serato mixer, the Rain 68, okay, yeah. and it froze. <laughs> and so, I, <laughs> so it was myself and another DJ, so the other DJ, we were going to mix together. He just ended up doing the whole set, and I was just like hyping him. But anyway, <laughs> I've got a mobile With gloves DJ. on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've got this. This was last summer. Um, so I'm doing a wedding. You know, so I do roughly 20 weddings a year, you know, so I, I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been in it for over 10 yeah, that's years. That's a good pace. Yeah, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah, I've, I've really leaned into to weddings. It, it, it pays well, allows me to get better equipment, which I can then practice on to yep. then do the shows that I want to do or whatever. Um, and it's, it, it's fun. You, you can make, I mean, you, you, that's where that 1,000 came yeah, from. You, <laughs> you, you, make, you make it fun. But anyway, I'm doing a wedding for uh, yeah. a girl that I, I DJed one of her house parties at Palmer Fest, like you know five years. Oh, Palmer before Place, this. yeah, yeah. You know, so I, 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 she's like, oh yeah, can you do my wedding? I'm like, absolutely. You know, so I'm excited because when you know when you do a gig for someone you know, you're like, okay, I've got that connection. Yeah. It's gonna be okay. You know, so doing the wedding and this guy comes up. He's probably 50, 60, and he's like, hey man, like. What do you got? And I'm like, you know, we hate that question. You know, so yeah. it's like, what are you looking for? He's like, let me see. So he's looking through my strat. I'm just like, yeah, what the hell? But I'm like, you know, it's a wedding. We'll just let it slide by. He's like, hey, you got any 80s? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I, of course I can play 80s for you. You know, it's like, it's like, what about uh, what about the Cure? He wanted to hear um, not just like Heaven. It was um, what's the other Cure song? Love song. Um, Love cats. Uh, <laughs> no, it, there's another one um, by the Cure. Oh shoot. Let's go to it, bed. Uh, no, it, it's. If it'll pop up, but you know, not not the super big ones, but I'm like, okay, yeah, like I'll see what I can do for you, man, because you know, you always say that I'll see what I can do, and then they go off, and then they mm-hmm. they might come back, and like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, then you actually do play, but <laughs> I had no intention of playing it because it, it didn't fit. You know, I didn't know the song. If I don't know the song, it's probably doesn't make sense for a general dance wedding. You know, right, that's right. my my go to. Like, you know, unless it's the the bride or groom requested it, I'm not yeah. going to go in that realm because you're going to lose the dance floor, and it's. You know, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. Goes by this guy. This is probably two hours left in the wedding. He comes and he's sitting. Another hour goes by and he's sitting next to me. And he comes over and he's like, and I thought he was gonna like thank me or ask me to say. He's like, hey, you know, thank you. Know, thanks for playing my song, ass. I'm like, whoa. He's like, you're the worst DJ ever. Like, what the? Fuck? He's like, you need to fight. I'm like, what? What the hell? Like, and this dude is like fired up, like ready to like fight. And I, this is this was really bad because I. I was it was it happened so quickly and I, I like cut the music. It's like what did you just say? <laughs> and like everybody stopped. You know, it was a smaller wedding, so something. But like he's like, what? You're gonna make this public? Like, no, you just made this public. It's like that stereotypical needle. Yeah, it, it, literally, it was like, like someone kicked the jukebox. Yeah. yeah, 
And, you know, then, like, eventually he comes over and he's, like, ready to fight me. And I knew the photographer. He comes wow. like, no, no. And, like, he's telling me, he's like, no, Brandon, like, he's fine. This guy is wasted. He's, he came and just freaking jumped in his face. And they had to, like, escort this guy out of this wedding. It was crazy. Like, wow. I've never, you know, I've had people, like, upset that I didn't play their song, which is fine. They're drunk. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they just, like, make a face and they leave, you know. But yeah. this guy was, like, he wanted to fight me. Yeah, who's going to step up at their friends or family exactly. members' wedding? And then it, it <laughs> ended crazy. Up, yeah, it ended up being a, a friend of the groom's dad who, like, already had some issues going on or whatever. Mm. But, like, yeah, and, I, and I, at that point, like, you know, as soon as you do this and you cut the music, you realize, like, oh, I f***ed up. You know, like, you know, this is their wedding. You don't make this. You know, I, I should have just been, like, whatever and just let it slide. But, like, it was – it like, cut me into my you, core. You reacted. Yeah, I, yeah. like, literally just reacted. Cause I was like, dude, I, I know what the f*** I'm doing. Like, you want a bullshit-ass song, and then you don't get it. Like, well, no, you're, you're not <laughs> How old are me. you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, and, like, so he, and, like, he was like, oh, man, and he, like, came running at me, and they had to stop him, and it began this huge thing, and then, like, the groom came, I said, hey, man, it's fine, you know, and then everyone, it'd be fine, you know, but it was just, like, ridiculous. Did like, you finish the gig? Yeah, finished the gig. Everything was fine. You know, they, they, they paid me, and I said it was great, you know, like, it was like it didn't even happen, but, like, I remember I was like, man, that you don't respond like that. You know, you mm. can't do that because you know people are gonna be like, do that? What that? Why did that DJ do that? You know, they don't have any of the backstory. Or whatever. They sure. just know that I was like, what? What'd he was, you say? He was you about know? to beat Mikey's yeah, ass. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dude, it was like, what? You well, know, that's so. gotta rattle you. I mean, that's not something you expect to run into at a wedding, let alone at any DJ gig. Really, over like a cure request. Yeah. You know, like you know, if it was like <laughs> if, if it was a bunch of chair, if it was trance like, or yeah. something, yeah, yeah, yeah it'd be totally different. He's been listening to too much Cure. Yeah, you know, but like it, it, like that was. Yeah, that, that was just ridiculous. I I I was respond. I feel bad still because I was like, you know, I, I don't want to introduce that to that. But I just reacted. I was yeah. like, what? Would you like? Would you say? And like, he just everyone just like stopped and was like, what's going on? And then he was just yelling a cry. You know, it's probably where that heater is to here. And he's just like, what, oh, really? Going to make this public now? Da, 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 da. I'm like, dude, you made this public yeah. when you came up and called me a fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> like, like literally yelling in my face. Like he was just going off. I was uh. like, man, like. You know, what is your life like outside of like yeah. parties and stuff like that? That you're, you know? that you're berating a stranger. Yeah, you yeah. know, like that didn't play one song. You know, like I didn't. Anyway, that, that, that was probably, and that was, that was last summer. That was, excuse me, last, not this past fall, but the fall before, you know, and I was like, it just shocked me, you know, so. You ever had anybody step to you at a wedding, Mo? No. Um, I've had people get upset because I haven't played their song and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. For me, the thing I always am hyper vigilant about is the extremely inappropriate request oh yeah <laughs> like yeah. when i told you the little 12 year old girl asked me to play cardi b at a breast cancer fundraiser <laughs> i was like no uh, i ain't doing that no yeah not, not today satan yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my 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 policy I, and i tell the bride and groom before i'm like you know because i'm open to requests i always tell them like hey you know i'm always going to get requests that are weird you know like, hey we remember on the football team me and tommy used to listen to like you know crazy bitch by buck cherry or something i'm like Hey, you go talk to Tommy, and then <laughs> he comes over and says, "Okay, then I'll play it." But I'm not going to play these crazy because you know there's always somebody's like, "Hey, this is a joke or whatever." That's yeah. going to just you know we know it. You can't even dance to it, you know. Like yeah. it's just we're not crazy bitch. In the example of like a Slayer song or like something that like is not danceable, but like somebody in the crowd may know. Like I'm sorry, like if you get the bride and groom to say yes, yeah, then thumbs up, you know. But most of the time, like that's just not going to work. And one of the things I learned to get me off the hook from a situation like that is someone gets like a really odd request and they're like adamant about you playing it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I pick up the mic. Hey, Marcy from accounting wants to hear the Macarena. Yep, yep, so yep. here we go. Everybody on the right dance up floor. Exactly. So that way, <laughs> yeah. if it goes south, that's Marcy's it's ass, not, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, this next story comes from Corrupt. He's out of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, this was a long time ago. It would be great to catch up with Corrupt, but uh, he wanted to tell us a story about a massive windstorm and uh, how that pretty much ruined his day, which is kind of crazy because... Um, the wind is actually really crazy outside my window right now, so this just feels appropriate. But in any case, this is Corrupt from Columbus. Um, I've had work. a lot of bad gigs, you know, whether it be weather, marketing, mis- you know, lack of marketing. Um, but those bad gigs also add fuel to the fire. You know, they're motivating. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't want to be here again, or, you know, I want to be... I want to get to where I don't have to worry about this stuff, you know. I like that. Um, but there was one specific gig I remember. Uh, I was behind COSI at in downtown Columbus doing a special event, and there was a big windstorm. And as I'm playing, I mean, everyone has taken shelter by this point. <laughs> I mean, there's like three people in the crowd. And the stage just started falling apart, this massive stage. And uh, I'm still playing. You know, and <laughs> I'm just nobody. I haven't looked up in a while, and nobody told me that everyone left. And even the three people are just like uh, slowly walking away, and, uh, and they just they cut me off. Like I would say halfway through my set, but uh, and uh, you know, my couple friends that were with me are just like, you know, they're just laughing at me, and you're not, they're not helping the situation. But at the same time, you know, there's nothing you can really do. Um, About how long ago would this have been? Oh man, this was. This had to have been like five years ago. I was gonna say, was it before like Snapchat and Instagram Live? And yes, <laughs> yeah. There's no. If there was evidence of this, I took it away. I just. Uh, it shows yeah, your true passion, though. You were still getting into what you were doing, not even realize what's going on. In front oh of yeah, you know those opportunities at the time. I mean, I tried to take advantage, for sure. Now, this next story comes from DJ Access, and uh, actually, there's a couple of stories, but the first one involves somebody actually having a seizure during one of his gigs, um, and then he's going to tell another story where he uh, accidentally played some explicit content <laughs> during a soccer game. So, uh, um, DJ Access, uh, great guest. would love to have him back on the show, but uh, yeah, here's his story. I'll, I'll share one with you uh, off off camera because it was it was at a private event. It was it was pretty recent and I would say pretty sensitive. Okay. So but it's a good story. Uh, man, I'm trying to figure out. Can it's okay I if you don't have any, you can't. No, tell. no. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to. Like, this is really good story because I think there's a lot of knowledge that can be shared here. Um, maybe I'll I, I'll just leave it obviously anonymous. But I was at a wedding. Um, maybe recently, maybe not so much. And uh, someone actually started having a seizure on the dance floor. And it happens oh. to be uh, Epilepsy Awareness Month. I know the only reason I know that is because I overheard someone in line at Chipotle talking about it today. Uh, <laughs> so so I guess this is perfect. Okay. Ties in all over the place. Uh, but yeah, someone ended up having a seizure on my dance floor uh, in the middle of an event. And uh, so someone had come up to the DJ booth and said, hey, we need you, I need you to shut off the music now. Someone's having a seizure. So obviously cut cut music, cut lights, and we waited probably a good 15 minutes for uh, that person to, to, to wake back up and come back to consciousness. And uh, it's a scary, it's a scary moment. You know, you just, you're, you're going from party mode to concern mode almost instantly. And it was the substance related, if I can ask. No, 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 no. Okay. just 
uh, someone who had epilepsy. My lights are doing epileptic. crazy stuff, and uh, oh. and that's what that's what triggered it. Obviously, wow. so she knew. Uh, I guess her parents were there, so they knew they, this had happened before. And uh, you know, they called off the ambulance. They knew she was going to be fine. Gave her some space, things like that. But you did say wedding. I'm sorry. When I asked the substance thing, I had club in mind. Hey, sorry. you'd be surprised, man. <laughs> <laughs> some weddings get wild. Uh, but yeah, I, I just as a heads up to DJs, just be ready for that. You know, if someone, uh, a lot of times when someone comes up to the DJ booth and says, cut the music, your first, uh, your first reaction is what? No, yeah, we're having a great time. Off. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here. Uh, but just kind of keep that in the back of your head that it could be something that's an emergency. So I really hope that, uh, the person I'm trying to keep it as honest as possible. The person that, uh, if they do listen to this, um, not offending them or anything, that's not the intention, but I think, you know, DJs need to hear about things that might happen events that, you know, don't happen often. I've been DJing 11, 12 years and that's never happened on my dance floor. So just be ready for that. Um, help out I'll offer to help out any way you can but kind of also realize that the more hands you have in that situation the yeah. more shocking can be when that person wakes up so uh what we did was um we just had her parents kind of around her we kind of moved everyone off to the side like i said cut off all the lights cut off all the music and uh, once she woke up i uh, started with very very low slow dance music um and then played some dance tracks again at maybe 25% volume and then uh, the father of the uh, bride would come over and say hey I think we can bump it up a little bit so I bump it up to 50% and then maybe half an hour after uh, she had woken up and, and kind of done her thing we went back to full volume and had a pretty solid dance party for given the circumstances yeah and uh, so yeah just be ready for everything always keep your cool uh, no matter what happens, I've had instances where people have spilled drinks on uh, speakers. And uh, listen, it's already happened. The only thing you can control is your reaction. I hope mm. that, you know, you probably talk about DJ contracts all the time in your Q&A uh, on the show. So just know that you're covered. And in the moment, you need to be as professional as possible. Don't say anything that, like, takes fault for yourself don't say anything that gives them fault just know that you have the contract and you know you can take care of it after the fact but uh the most important thing is not to lose your mind at the show because i've seen that happen to other djs and that's the worst thing that you can do uh, officially the line we say is protect yourself always use a contract <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> uh what about any like you ever have to break up any fights or deal with anybody that's ever gotten in your face or promoter screwing you over or maybe funny stories that would be like a you bad gig I'd... but looking back it was kind of funny yeah yeah you think i'd have these like ready to go you I... do so many gigs yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um man oh okay so uh I dropped the F-bomb in the middle of a uh, Columbus Crew SC set. <laughs> uh, and so we uh, we were out of, so typically the warm-ups is my high energy mode, and then we'll go through sponsorships, ads, announcements, things like that. Well, they got through announcements a little bit quicker than expected. This was during a uh, soccer game. Yes, yes, during a soccer game, sorry. And, uh, and my spotter, uh, who's got the connection to the marketing department, uh, goes, hey, we, uh, we cut announcements early. Um, we, need, we need something high energy now. So I had basically a loop going on. So I basically hit search. Um, I forget what I typed in, but I maybe went to like my big room folder. And then I found the first track that wasn't labeled dirty, <laughs> dragged it up, and I'm playing it. I had a little cue point that went to the build. 
And then sure enough, it was like, let me see your effing hands, but not effing. <laughs> and uh, Not something that you could just kind of slide past and nobody would notice. Right, huh? right. And so I just look at my spotter and I'm like, did you hear that? He goes, oh, yeah. And so we talked about how we were going to handle it. And um, so no one from marketing had actually heard. But uh, again, advice to DJs. I actually went up uh, after the after the game and said, Hey, listen, I just want you to know that during that little uh, uh, transition period, I did drop the F-bomb. Uh, if any supporter or a fan comes up and complains, I take full responsibility. I'll write them an apology. It was just one of those things I was in the moment the, the track wasn't labeled correctly. And, you know, I just want you to know that, like, that won't happen again. I'm going through all, I'm making a Crew SC folder, which will have all clean music. You got ahead of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and the... Uh, Someone who was uh, part of the organization said, hey, if they didn't hear about it, you probably shouldn't say anything. But a lot of times with DJing, you can take a bad, uh, a bad situation and turn it into a good situation. So that was one, that was one, of, one of those because um, instead of them being mad about dropping an F-bomb, they, they realize mistakes happen. You know, the mistakes happens up in the marketing booth as well. So um, she was uh, just really appreciative that I let her know. And so she was ready if a supporter were to to contact them and say, hey, my kid heard the F-bomb at, at one of your events. What's going on here? Uh, she, they were prepared for that. And now they trust me more than they ever did before because they're right. not willing to come with them at a problem, uh, with a problem ahead of time. Now, our next clip actually comes from, um, there was a live event that Mo and I participated in a long time ago. It was called Live at Dayton Podfest. It was sort of a live podcasting uh, sort of meetup type event um, in front of a, a live audience. And what we had actually done is talk to their sound engineer beforehand, and we did a pre-interview, and we started that episode uh, with this pre-interview with, uh, his name is Chris Heckman. Uh, not a DJ, he's actually the sound engineer. He's running the soundboard, and he has a lot of experience running soundboards for, you know, large-scale events and things. And so, um, you know, very experienced sound technician, and we wanted to talk to him a little bit about, hey, you've been on the road a lot. You're well-traveled. You've been running sound for many years. What kind of stuff have you run into on the road as far as bad gigs? And so uh, his bad gig story actually involves a German band that was touring in Czechoslovakia. So let's listen. What's, some, what's one of the most uh, interesting incidents you've, you've ever come across, like when it comes to setup and engineering and all that? Uh, like like some, Yeah, bad gig stories, like something you couldn't make up. Absolutely. I have something that immediately comes to mind. And it was, I was with this band called the Rubbermaids from Hamburg, Germany. The wall had just uh, come down maybe uh, eight or nine months before that. We went and toured in Czechoslovakia. And um, they, we went into Eastern Czechoslovakia and in the, the I believe it's the Tetra Mountains. Okay. Um, and we went into this town where they had this board that was actually called a Tesla board which was really interesting. Did it have like big coils and everything? Well, that's you would think. And so, but it wasn't XLR, it was MIDI DIN. Ooh. And uh, none of it worked, and the yeah. people had to uh, totally, uh, we had to like rewire everything wow. to make it work. And the people in the town, had the Russian army was still there in the town, even though that like the, they weren't technically in charge of, of Czechoslovakia anymore. Yeah. They hadn't yeah. with, fully withdrawn yet. Okay. 
And so it was the, the first little, town. Little tents. It was the first town. Yeah. It's the first time that town's ever had a rock and roll band play there. Wow. And uh, and it was and it, and uh, so we had to like completely rebuild the system to make it even work. Yeah. Um, Welcome we to did. capitalism. But we did it. We did it, and the show was great. And the and the Russian shoulders were like dancing around, and the kids were taking the their caps off yeah. and putting them on and dancing around with them, and it was. Uh, it was an interesting spectacle for, uh, that was uh, September, October, 1990. Okay. Um, so almost a year after the wall had come down. Nice, so definitely something you can't make up or script. No, no, and, and like I said, it was a, you know, at first you get there and you go, this is crazy, I don't want any part of it, this stuff's crap, yeah. then you go, well, wait a minute, I gotta make this work because we don't have any stuff with us, yeah. and so, uh, and we did. Although I think there was only like four or five mics working that night. But <laughs> they, they had a partner up, uh, uh, Partridge Family Style. None, nonetheless, <laughs> we made the show work. Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks for your All right, so this next clip comes from my friend Alex of the DJHookup.com. And this is just sort of actually a grab bag of uh, little stories and memories about uh, his time, both uh, as a working DJ and uh, for his many years working in the DJ industry. So this is, uh, once again, Alex. Um, I always butcher his last name. I'm going to say Alex Piatetsky. <laughs> Sorry that I'm messing that up, Alex. But, uh, you know, my heart's in the right place from the DJHookup.com. And uh, here are his stories. The other question I wanted to ask you is something I ask, uh, I'm trying to ask everybody that we bring on the show so that we can compile them later, and that is, did, uh, during your time as a DJ, did you have any bad DJ gigs or funny or worse DJ gig experiences that you would want to share with the audience? You know, I remember like in college, back when uh, digital cameras were a thing where that wasn't just part of your phone. Uh, I remember like one of the first parties that I threw, like the party itself was a, a huge success. Uh, but then someone like stole my camera right like from behind the decks uh, while, while I was playing. Yikes. And that's like such a bummer when you like put so much of yourself into throwing this event and, and whatever. And then like you're the student and then someone steals from you on top of that. That's like, you know, those, those things leave like a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, you know, then like later on, we're throwing events and like the headliner shows up like six hours late and by some miracle, like some portion of the audience actually sticks around to like see it, but they basically <laughs> ruin something that you've put like months into creating. Um, so those are probably like the things that come to mind. I never got mugged. I never got the other negative thing that, that I remember just getting essentially getting stiffed for money like there at some at some point there was um i remember there was a a party that I, that, that i was throwing like a recurring event and i remember on our most successful night ever it was a horrible arrangement i mean we had a cut of the bar which very rarely is that worth it unless it's like a very big spot um and it was our most successful night ever, just people dancing nonstop, wall to wall the entire time. And at the end of the night, the, um, the owner hands me, I don't remember what the amount of money was, but it was, it was like a comical amount of money. And I just go, what's this? And I, I don't mean what's this in a, 
like I didn't mean it in like a an aggressive what the hell is this I literally meant like maybe you're just like rearranging something in the cash register and you're having me hold forty dollars <laughs> or whatever you just gave me and I remember he goes well that was our crowd so like we we figured like the full amount that we're supposed to pay you like it's it essentially like it doesn't count because like that was our crowd or some, <laughs> version, some version of that wow. and i remember he was very drunk and he was very like touchy feely as, as he was saying all of this to me like in the uh, may, maybe maybe if i would have stuck around enough and and had a certain like uh, sufficiently ignitable personality like a fight could have <laughs> but i just remember like taking his hand off of my shoulder i took his like money and i was like cool we're never doing this again um so like those are those are the things that sting but you know on the on the flip side of that you have some like epic like life life-changing experiences where you're like you're in that moment and you're like, I can't believe I did this. Or like, yeah. this is like my achievement slash accomplishment slash contribution. Like, like I would attend this if it were someone else's and love it, but it's mine. And that's insane. So yeah, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches, I guess. All right. We've got one more pre-recorded clip that I want to play you. And then we're going to have Trip Turlington call in and catch up with us. Um, this one comes from Mason. You remember he came and talked to, to, talk to us about the Up and Up Festival. Uh, we did a sort of two-part interview. One was here in studio and then one was at, the, uh, at Mask, which is now shut down, unfortunately. But we did a, a two-part interview. And um, while we were there, we wanted to make sure that we asked him about his bad gig stories because he's had at the time when we recorded he had had a lot of experience but in a short amount of time he had only been working as a dj for a year or two but had done so much in that time and so we wanted to hear uh, what he had to contribute there and uh, he told us about a moment where he had the uh, dreaded moment of silence on stage so this is a story from mason the closest thing i'd i've never had like a horror story of a gig and i guess i'm blessed to say that because from what i've heard and through my travels fingers crossed <laughs> yeah right I'm not, I mean, not tempting fate here or anything yeah. knock on some wood um but i'd say that the closest thing to was um was i played the dayton to daytona trip um this past may and they had Waka Flocka, uh, Loud Luxury, and Cash Cash. So just okay. three incredible acts. And um, it was a four-day trip, and I was on the last day, and I was kind of like the uh, the student DJ coming up there to uh, close out the trip. It was the last day of the trip. And that trip is, is something because it is five days. They have unlimited beer. It's from like one to three. And these the, – the Dayton students, they really just – it's after a full semester, they just finished their finals and everything. They fly down to Daytona, the juniors and seniors, and they kick back and they let loose. But by the fifth day, it's it's a struggle to get out of bed. You know, it's like <laughs> sure. it's very hard. So I'm playing the fifth day, and um, I I get the nerves going. It's the biggest crowd I played for to that point, and um, I was on the CDJs again. So the last time I had played on the CDJs, where I lost King, so it had been a couple months. I was just nervous. Um, I was with a couple of my buddies. 
I went down about 10, 10 in the morning for a sound check. It was a beautiful stage right on the beach, the pool deck. It was an outdoor thing. It was really, really cool. And um, I was speaking to the, I guess, the DJ that Campus Vacations had, DJ Loki, who's an awesome guy, and he's an incredible talent too, um, talking to him about just using the CDJs and everything. And we spent about two hours trying to sync my laptop up to the CDJs so I would be able to have the visual of my Serato. Right. And we just could not get it to work. It wouldn't read the driver. So after that, instead, instead of using the time where I could be like running through my set a little bit and practicing, I spent all this time using, using, the, uh, using the computer trying to get it all set up. So come the time of the show, now I'm sweating. I'm like, I didn't really get to practice at all. I'm realizing that. So I, uh, I normally don't really drink before shows, but I was super stressed and had a couple shots and I go up to play. And the first thing that happens, I think it was my third transition. I'm trying to like get, it, get acclimated, you know, getting used to the crowd and the feel of being up there. And I go to make a transition and um, I, I switch my channel faders and there's dead silence. There's absolutely no music. Oh. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? I look down and I see the crossfader pushed to one side. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I feel like we've all done that. Yeah. First thing, that's my first go to always when music goes out is to look at the crossfader. Yeah. And I was like a deer in headlights for a little bit. And um, low key came up. It was a couple seconds had passed, but like those seconds felt like eternity. <laughs> it was it's when you have <laughs> thousands of people staring at you. Yep. Absolutely. It does. And, uh, you know, he brought, he brought the music back in. He just kind of pointed it out. I'm like, all right. So he got back in, got back to rolling. And um, the set really started picking up. The energy started getting there and it went away. But uh, I haven't really told many people this. It's that in Daytona, it's, it was 95 degrees. You know, it was very hot. And uh, I didn't really drink any water. <laughs> so now I'm up there about halfway through the set. And I'm like playing. I'm trying to keep the energy high. And I feel... What I had felt in the moment was like the the oncoming of a heat stroke. Oh, and wow. I I like like my body almost like went cold, and I thought I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it. So now my as I'm like playing music in front of this crowd, I start thinking like, what's gonna happen if I pass out up here? <laughs> like, how is that <laughs> gonna be received? This is not the place I want this to happen. Yeah, and uh, for the, wow. the for the rest of the time, I was just like battling off dehydration. Yikes. And um, I, I really do think it was the shots that I took because, Oof. you know, it dehydrates you, alcohol and the sun and everything. And uh, Did you make it through? I made it through. Oof. I made it through. Nice. You just kind of fed Man. off the crowd's energy. They, I, what I like to do, I like to give them energy. But right there, like in that moment during that set, they really pushed it to me and they <laughs> kept me going. So that was an incredible time, though. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life, just being able to be there at, at the end. It was like the end of a journey almost with, yeah. with Dayton. And um, it was just, it was, I've had so many magical moments DJing, such, such an amazing craft. I just advise everybody, like, if you have the opportunity, you got the passion for music, I would say go for it. Just pick it up. Even, even if you aren't that good to start, like, even if you're just playing in your bedroom for yourself, like, do it and push yourself, push those limits. I've had so many of the best experiences in my life just you're taking here. on these challenges and making the most of them. And, uh, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and check in with Trip Turlington. He's going to call in from his own home studio. We're going to see how he's doing, how he's handling this whole quarantine situation, and then uh, see if we can talk to him about a recent bad gig story that he experienced. So without further ado, let's talk to Trip. 
<sighs> you ready to jump straight into it or? Sure. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, buddy. Um, how are you? How are you handling um, all of this nonsense? You holding up all right over there at uh, the homestead? Uh, yeah, we're doing okay. Um, you know, my, uh, uh, my, my job already, you know, is, is kind of geared for working remotely. So I'm, so really counting our blessings that, you know, Gina already worked from home and I'm able to work from home and, um, and all of that. So, you know, as far as all of that's concerned, you know, right now, you know, it's not impacting us as much as it is some other folks that are, you know, really, um, uh, really feeling it already. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, then as we all, you know, I think are anticipating that eventually this is going to have a downstream effect. I don't care how many trillions of dollars you throw at it. It's going to have a a bump in our, uh, or it's going to have a dip in our, uh, economy. So, um, just trying to, you know, keep, uh, keep eyes on the horizon, but, you know, try to keep the ship sailing. So how are you, uh, holding up you know, mood wise, I know a lot of people are really struggling with uh, just feeling kind of the, the cabin fever cabin fever situation. Um, is that getting to you this, this early in the game? Believe it or not. No, no, <laughs> I, you know, I, it, me and, you know, Gina were, were talking about it and she was like, you know, she, she is kind of the busybody, you know, so she's a stay at home mom. She works, you know, remotely for, um, for a small company And, um, you know, so, you know, she's, she's got the lifestyle that, you know, she's able to run and do things and run errands and, you know, go shopping and, you know, do all of the things that we need done throughout a day, doctor's appointments and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so I think, I think it's her that needs the, you know, that, that constant, you know, you know, movement and stuff like that, whereas like, you know, no, this, this is home. Like I, I can, I could, <laughs> I could plant roots in and you know, <laughs> right. be fine. And we were joking around about it late uh, sometime last week where uh, she was like, this isn't driving you nuts. No, no, it's not. You mean I don't have to go anywhere? I get <laughs> up and, um, you know, I, I keep a break, but I think part of it is that I keep a very regular schedule. Like I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing that I do when I go to work. You know, I get up, same time I get a, I get in the shower, get dressed for the day. I may not be putting on business casual stuff, but you know, at least I'm getting dressed for the day. I put on pants and shoes and socks and the whole nine yards. And then, you know, I go downstairs, get, you know, get my coffee off of the coffee pot that I set for 6am, you know, and then I come into the studio, which I've, you know, done a little bit of changes to, um, to be more ergonomic and geared for working rather than just, okay you know, studio, um, uh, music writing and creative outlet and stuff like that. So, um, uh, just a couple of minor changes. Um, well, one major change and a couple of minor changes. So I ended up getting a new iMac, uh, which is more of the centerpiece. of right. the And then, um, but then I, I took the two 23 inch monitors that I already had and had one stand where they were like up and above, Um, but when I, and that was fine as long as all I was doing was music stuff, because those are screens that you only look at every so often. But then when I was trying to work and then I felt, you know, I was doing this all day, 
So <laughs> the back of the neck. So I bought a different stand that like puts the the twenty threes on either side of the eye. Okay. So nice. it's yeah. So um, so it's a lot more ergonomic. It's at eye level, you know, and all that. But, yeah, uh, I would say it hasn't been too bad here on that front either right the wife's getting a little antsy which is funny because she is normally kind of a homebody but i don't know if it's just the now that you told me you can't it's it's bothering me thing or or what but right um you know i'm i'm the kind of person that like once i i start getting involved in a particular project that i'll really like hunker down and focus and obsess on it and i it won't bother me too too much that i don't have any other obligations for a while Right. Um, I think the only reason it's it's getting to me a little bit is um, we we sort of made an agreement with um, so my my stepdaughter um, with her the the other parents mm-hmm. um, but because there are some immunocompromised people in our family. Okay. We, we've made a rule that like we're you know she's going to our house one Sunday and then she switches to the other house the next Sunday, but if we have visitors or we, you know, we, we kind of break that quarantine, then we're, we're starting that clock over. Right. So like, there's gotta be a damn good reason that we're, <laughs> we're doing that because we're doing it at the expense of not being able to, to see Lily. So right, right. it's kind of set some accountability for us and gives us a, you know, so we're, we've gotten a lot more serious over the past few days about like, you know, sorry, you know, we, sorry, you can't come in, <laughs> you know, kind of stuff and not having people come over and, yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, my, my wife, you know, she, she was a lot more, um, uh, I would have, I would have said paranoid or, or anxious about it, you know, sooner yeah. than most other people were. Um, but, um, then we went to a, a conference for work, um, for my, for my job uh, down in Nashville at the Gaylord, which, you know, for anybody who's listening, if you don't know about that hotel, the quick history is, is that there's like an original hotel that was there. And then at some point they built on top of it. Like, so it's like this humongous, like several thousand room resort, but it's all encased in glass. So it's like, you know, yeah, huge glass dome. And then they've got all of these like plants from all over the world. And, a river that's like got water that was uh sourced from like all over the world so people like literally filled up boxes from like the river jordan and and you know all of these like you know all of these different places around the world and then they brought it all there and created a river out of it and then filter it through and all of that stuff so all that to say you know encased in glass it's 72 68 it's between 68 and 72 degrees all year round um, the only way that they do that is with a gigantic air recirculation system. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking several thousand people all in one spot. They're coming from all over the United States into this one, one place. Um, so, you know, we were, we were down there for that. And then, you know, then, you know, everything kept escalating in the news. So then by the time we get back here and then it's a thing, you know, so yeah. me and my, me and my team, we kind of looked at each other and we said, okay, so anybody who is in Nashville, 
we're gonna we're gonna self-quarantine and that was on a thursday and then by monday we were being told everybody is staying home like we're we're switching yeah. to a full remote thing so that was thankfully two weeks ago haven't showed any symptoms or anything like that so i think you know we're i think we're pretty much in the clear so but that's yeah, good yeah. the the work thing is a little weird on our end because you know for for stace like the real estate has been deemed essential but also you can't really do open houses or like close right. in the same room or like <laughs> nobody wants meme. to buy or sell so it's <laughs> i saw a funny meme on facebook as a matter of fact that might have even been you or stacy that posted it but it was it showed people in like full like hazmat suits and it's saying uh uh people going to their closing like what and they have like <laughs> these like suits <laughs> it's crazy like inspectors and appraisers are you know refusing to rightfully refusing to to go out and do stuff so we're, we're kind of at a standstill and right we're like well now now's our time to get make sure our our print materials together make sure the website's in order you know do all that maintenance stuff that maybe gets neglected in in the normal hustle and bustle because the the leads and the Zillow calls and the web the web stuff is all just kind of dried up at the moment so yeah. it's it's a little scary I'm telling you, like, I mean, and especially right now, like if this is a great time, regardless if it's business or personal, um, to really take a minute and reflect on, you know, what are those projects that you haven't been able to get done? You know, um, I've, I've got a few of them. Um, so obviously the big thing right now for all the DJs is, hey, whether you're a bedroom DJ or a world touring DJ, ain't nobody got any gigs right now, right? That's right. <laughs> so literally everybody is running to Facebook and Twitch and all that stuff. So I, I took the opportunity to uh, kind of uh, reorganize how I have everything up here on, the, on, um, uh, on my shelves. Uh, so I'm able to fit at least two of the Denons plus the X1800 and a turntable all in a line now. And then just only one turntable is like, you know, on the, on the side table in the corner. Um, and then, um, you know, I dug up some old nasty webcam, you know, like a Logitech C500 because I don't know what the run on webcams was about, but like literally you can't find any webcams anywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. I looked and I tried, <laughs> but well, uh, if need be, I might be able to supply drop you one. I've got, uh, I've got two go. external Logitechs. Uh, nice. Um, so yeah, what I've been using is my, my MacBook as a second camera okay. and then, you know, and then there's just this ancient thing that I like, you know, mounted to the wall. And so I've got the right angles and stuff like that. Uh, looked into that OBS software that you told me about, yeah. um, that that's working perfectly. The only thing that I'm, I'm having trouble with is I want to do timed scene switching. Um, apparently you can do automatic scene switching based on like whatever, uh, screen or, or application you have in focus, but like, no, I just, I wanted to every so often switch to a different scene and I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I figured out hotkeys, yeah. but I was trying to play with automator in, yeah. in Mac OS um, trying to play with that, but I haven't <laughs> figured out the scripting on it yet. Like it, it, it I know it's got a drag and drop, but like, so I'm not getting something right in the loop, like yeah. the, in the loop function. So, yeah. So already uh, getting creative with the, 
<laughs> discovering and exploring new things based it, on the, the amount of time you got at home, huh? Oh yeah. It, here's it, so here's a, a good one. Like I was because I wanted to stream, but I want I wanted to be able to use um, you know a good audio interface to get clean audio out, right? Um, but I have one audio interface and it's over here because I use it for production. Um, so the first time I tried to stream, I ended up having to put like a crate here up on the desk with my MacBook, like kind of pointed at me. And then like, you know, uh, a, a separate USB cable going over here. And I was like, that's not going to work. So I was looking for, you know, a cheap, you know, maybe use two I two or something like that. And I thought, no, there's gotta be a better way. The X1800 has an, an audio card built into it. Like it is an interface in there, right? So I figured there's gotta be a way to leverage that. So I hooked it up and sure as all get out, the Mac sees it and you can see, you know, the, the audio moving and when you go into the sound settings, but OBS wasn't picking it up. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So then um, I ended up having to, I did some research on it and I ended up uh, getting some software called Looper, I think is what it's called. Okay. Um, or Relooper or something, something like that. But basically what it does is it takes the audio signals coming in from any USB and then allows you to rewire it to whatever your main output is. Is it called Loopback? That's it. Yep, Loopback. Thank you. Tony and I both are registered users of Loopback, so that makes three of us. <laughs> yep, yep. Because what <laughs> I was in handy. Yeah, what I found is that so the record out left and right channels are channel nine and ten in the USB signal coming okay. from the Denon, but the Mac OBS will only look at channel one and two. So you know, I went into the Denon. Uh, X1800 and you can play with you know the USB like channel settings yeah. um, on each individual channel and the master but not the record out so I was like you know playing with it a bunch and I was trying to get it to you know I was trying to finagle it trying not to spend the money right <laughs> but um, <laughs> but eventually like yeah I, I went ahead and got the loop back and then just routed channels 9 and 10 to 1 and 2 and bam I was alive so like, nice yeah that was that was a game changer there. So now it's just been, you know, minor tweaking. Um, I took uh, another project that I did was I took uh, my entire record box um, uh, library and I cleared everything out. Like I, I've been just totally started from scratch and nice. reanalyzed all of my, um, all of my um, uh, catalog and then you know ran mixed in key over it and like so i you know i did all of the things got all of you know put all of these like um you know cue points and loops and stuff like that and is it your intent to use engine like denon in its like native most native form when you're at home and then yeah. just if you go out to a gig like try to export a record box usb well that that's the problem is that you know, between Denon and, and Pioneer, they're not, they're, you know, they're, they're separate services. They're not exactly right. going to want to play together. So um, that's exporting back. So if I make any changes in the Denon setup, you know, because I can, so it like, for example, if I change, say, a loop or a cue point on a track, if I unplug my USB, bring it back over here, 
and put it in, and run it through the prime software or the engine software, then it will notice those changes and say, Hey, do you want to update the database over here gotcha. and, and, and keep those in sync? But they don't have a record box um, yeah. um, uh, export. And since they don't have the record box export, there's no way to keep those two in sync without some software. Well, I found some software. I haven't played with it yet um, to see how, how intuitive it is. Um, but um, so that would be my intent is, you know, before a gig, make sure that my record box is synced up the same as my Denon. And then be able to export out, you know, another playlist or whatever out of record box because nine, nine times out of 10, you know, I'm going to be playing on CDJs or something like, you know, yeah. you know hardly anybody's got these things, you know, uh, around where we are. So, man, it's, uh, I can't tell if that's complicated or not or not. <laughs> yeah. I think, if, I, I think for me, like once I figure out my workflow, I think my, 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 Point of origin will be Rekordbox. Okay. Um, just because, you know, um, it, because it, when I play out, that will be, you know, yeah. 95% of the time, nine times out of 10, whatever, um, that will be the, the format that I'm playing on. That's and, the one and, you want to make sure is correct. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you're, you're keeping busy. You're keeping in pretty good spirits. Uh, everybody over there is pretty safe and healthy and, uh, that's, that's good to hear. And, um, I also appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk today and catch up with the audience and, uh, hopefully tell us a, uh, a bad gig story. The last time that you were back way, way back in the day when we were allowed to travel and hang out and do cool things. Right. You came, you came over here and we're telling a story that was very recent that, that made my jaw about hit the floor. Now I'm sure you're going to need to, to change some, some names to protect the guilty and, and Oh no, I'll, I'll, I'll drop his name. No problem. I, that's what I was actually just doing was pulling up the news story. <laughs> <laughs> so Take, take us to, well, explain what, what the gig was, you know, why you were there, and then just kind of take us to that night. Take us to that moment. Tell us the story of what was going on. Describe the atmosphere and just what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, when you do this stuff as long as I have, like, it, it, you're not really surprised by much, right? But this one actually did surprise me, only because, like, it was – it was already an uncomfortable, not an uncomfortable, but a, um, it, it was just a weird intuition thing that just kind of got at me that night. Um, so here in Ohio, um, you, you can conceal carry a, uh, a firearm, uh, as long as you're licensed. And, you know, so I've been licensed for, for a good while. And, um, you know, usually when I go to a club or a gig, I don't ever carry because the law says that you cannot carry into a bar or an establishment that serves alcohol if you will be drinking alcohol. Right. And, um, you know, just as a matter of, you know, habit, practice, you know, social, you know, um, etiquette, whatever, um, I like to drink when I'm around my friends at, in a, an environment like that. Um, and it helps loosen me up a little bit for, for a gig. So the funny part is that you wouldn't expect what happened to be something that happens 
um, at a gig like this because it was a, um, so it was a, a gig for um, uh, a buddy of mine that um, we've mentioned on the show a bunch. Uh, his name's Jason Brooks, uh, uh, DJ Naughty Groove. And uh, he and I have been partners for years on, um, uh, on a label collective type of thing that we've been working on for literally 20 plus years called In The Groove, uh, formerly known as Scrubbing Bubbles, but we, we changed the name to In The Groove. Around. Can I just pause? I'm going to pause right there. We've talked about Naughty Groove for years on this show. Will you just reach out to him and see if we can, oh, yeah. even if we got to do it online and we'll just schedule something yes. and get him on this show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, yeah, every time I, I bring it up to him, he's like, yeah, just let me know. <laughs> There's no reason none of us have done it. We just we just haven't driven it home. So anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so yeah, so Scrubbing Bubbles, we changed the name to uh, In The Groove in 2000. So literally 20 years. I've uh, been working with this cat, and um, here in the last, I don't know, six, eight months, maybe a year, um, he's been really working around um, the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area, and and establishing these small pockets of really in, in tune uh, crowds, um, uh, and, and um, he calls this, this one particular night that he's doing, he calls it progress. And um, the whole the whole thing is based on like your progressive and trance music, um, you know. So think things like you know Bedrock and Juno Deep and thing you know. So those types okay. of like sounds, and uh, you know, so uh, that's stuff that you know I played a lot, you know, in the late '90s, early 2000s. And uh, so he hits me up and he goes, "Hey." you got enough to, you know, come out and play. I was like, of course, you know, so, uh, um, so I'm going to this, uh, this venue, uh, it's called Mad Frog. It's been in Cincinnati. It's been okay. in the scene for years, literally years. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's, it, it's, it, it's in a weird spot, you know, it's on the UC campus. Um, but you know, there, there's a, there's a little rough element around that, uh, around there. Sure. It's not uncommon for the Mad Frog to get a scuffle here and there, but it's, I mean, it's not a dangerous club by any means. You know, it's not that kind of place. You've um, all been to that, that club, one like that. Uh, right. You know, right. the one we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, there, if, you know, every now and then there's a little bit of drama, but it's not, you know, you know, <laughs> nobody's getting shot. Right. You know? <laughs> um so anyway all that to say so uh so the whole going into this whole thing it's a progressive night you know a trance night so the people that are you know going to be coming to this thing you're already expecting to be of a certain mindset you know like you know the more chill kind of crowd you know people who are into you know deeper uh more melodic music stuff like that and, you know, there's all kinds of people that are into that. But, um, you know, it, when you're talking about, like, the Midwestern rave scene, you know, there's there's a particular small community of people that you would right. to see at this. Um, so get there. And it, I got there super early um, because I wanted to catch uh, uh, a buddy of mine, Tim. I wanted to catch his set. Um, you know, so anyway, something told me before I left to to pack the heat that night and I was just like 
you know, it was, it was irking me and I don't know why, but it was just one of those things where I was like, but if I do this, then I'm not going to be drinking. Uh, I feel the need to clarify just in case there's part of our international audience that doesn't understand both the context and that phrase. Um, Trip was wearing a gun, which is normal in our country. (laughs) Back in the heat. That's what that means. It was protected. Um, And it's concealed, you know, so, um, you know, it's legally authorized to do all these things. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, it was just irking me. Like, I was like, why, why is this, why is this in my head like that? But, you know, so I just decided, okay, fine, I'm doing it and get in the car and I go. And, uh, so I'm standing there with Tim as he's playing and I'm just sitting there, you know, enjoying it. And then people are starting to come in and and all of that. So some mutual friends came up and, you know, we're getting caught up, you know, some people I haven't seen in a while, uh, mostly because they're in Cincinnati, I'm in Dayton you know, and while we all interact on social media and stuff, you know, but, you know, to actually see each other in person, you know, doesn't happen as often as uh, any of us probably like. Um, But yeah, so we're standing there and we're talking and we're talking about like work and dogs and, you know, just, you know, you know, just mundane, you know, life stuff, you know, you know, we're a couple of guys, you know, in our late thirties and early forties, like, so we're just chatting about stuff. Dad chat. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so Tim's playing me and this other guy, Josh are talking. And then, uh, a gentleman who, who came in, um, uh, he, he comes up to us and he says, uh, and, and he, I mean, he gets super like uncomfortable close, like, you know, like for any Seinfeld fans, like close talker close, like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, he's, he's like, you know, up in our, and up on our stuff and he's wearing a very heavy, you know, puffy kind of uh, jacket and, you know, loose pants and stuff like that. And I was just like, you know, all right, well, we don't, neither one of us know this guy. So about how many people in the room at this point? probably about 20. Okay. Uh, so not a whole lot. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's super early. Like, you right. know, I mean, you wouldn't expect there to be, you know, a hundred people in this place, you know, before 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm like, you know, okay. So hi, <laughs> <laughs> can I help you? And, um, and the guy like is basically, he, he comes up to us to offer us drugs. I mean, there's, you know, he's like, y'all looking for ecstasy? Are you looking for, uh, what else did he offer us? Um, Xanax or, or like some sort of a painkiller. And like he, he, he rattled off a few different things and we were like, no, that's, that's not us. It's not our scene. We're, we're, we're good. And, uh, figured, you know, politely decline, you know, but you know, and, and he'll go on his way and we'll go on ours. Which is what usually happens in a scenario right, like that. Right. Yeah. So when we kept, to, so then he asked us again and we, we were like, no. And then he says, I got a strap. Do you want to hold it? Excuse me? <laughs> so Say what? <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, it, it, this is only the beginning. It gets far stranger than this. Um, so again, a uh, point of reference context. So a strap is a, um, 
is a is another name or you know slang term for uh for a firearm or a pistol. So he felt the need to let you know that he was armed for right. whatever reason. Correct. Correct. So immediately, you know, that that okay, so I have to like, you know, position myself in this little triangle here into a defensive stance. Whereas my buddy who normally is also carrying, but he's not to this night. And so, and, but he's, he, you know, he's, um, he's a shorter guy, but he's got some, you know, beef to him. So he, um, you know, and, and he's also got a very alpha persona. So he, you know, has no problem with like standing his ground. You are not, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. So, um, so between the two of us, you know, I don't, I don't know if the guy was high on his own supply or what, but like, then he like leans in and he's pointing at his eye and then he's all like, I'm OG. You don't want to mess with me. And then he like, just starts saying a bunch of stuff. I, I you know, hearing damage and stuff. I only caught like every third word or whatever, but I could tell that basically he was, he was trying to make, make it known that he has a gun. He has drugs. We're not to fuck with him and you know whatever right so it just becomes a very uncomfortable thing yeah and then then like suddenly like you know josh basically cut you know okay shuts the whole thing down he's like dude we're not messing with you it's not a thing like we're just talking you're good you know whatever um all the while uh just before that Tim was playing and the guy like was talking to Tim and he was like trying to get him to play something else. And Tim turns around and says, dude, it's not that kind of party. Leave me alone. (laughs) 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 Like I was expecting to see like a full frontal, like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no requests. Um, I guess it's good that he didn't. I mean, this sounds like this, Somebody who acts that way is clearly clearly not stable for one reason or another, whether they're just, you know, mentally this is the way they are, or like you said, they're they're high on their own supply or something. I mean, clearly this guy something's going on with them. So right. so he goes, he messes with you and Jason, he he messes with Tim. And Josh. Yeah. So and Josh. Yeah. So so then like he it's almost like he gets distracted or or he finally gets the hint and like okay walks away from us so you know i've already got you know my piece like not unholstered but like unsnapped so if i have to grab it for any given reason um uh so but then like we're all on high alert and watching him well he goes over to the bar and gets a drink and then um when the when the bartender pushes the the drink over um then he doesn't have the money for it so (laughs) right oh geez so then she's like you know this becomes a thing between her and him where she's like well i'm not going to give you a drink and he so then like he tells her he's got a gun and blah 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 and yada 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 whoa Right. So then she just pushes the drink across and, you know, gives or no, 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 sorry. Back up. Before that, when she told him, you know, I'm not going to just give you a free drink. Then he walks all over the place, like goes from person to person asking for $3 to pay for the drink. So when he comes back to me and Josh and he's asking for $3 from us, 
dude, I don't have $3 cash. I'm not, no, I, you know, and Josh is like, nope, nope. So like he gets a bunch of no's from our little clique that, uh, that has congregated. By that time, there's like, I don't know, eight, 10, 12 of us, like kind of congregating in this one area. And when we told him no, he looks at us and he goes, So smacks his chest, right? Kind of in like an alpha sort of like bring it on sort yep. of sort of gesture. Yep. And so like then he likes he's like kind of weaving around and you know kind of feeling around. And so I'm like, okay, you know, Jeez. It, it's about to go down, right? Um, so then the good thing is, so then he goes back to the bar, tells her he doesn't have the three dollars, but he's got a gun. Blah 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 blah. And then now he's essentially uh, robbed the place for for a seven dollar drink or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, uh, so then, um, so then she pushes the drink across. He takes the drink. He's just kind of you know trying to intermingle back into the crowd. Well, then she you know because she's not trying to have an altercation with somebody who is threatening her with a gun at the bar. So right. she, so once he is out of you know, her line, you know, once, you know, they are, they've got a safe distance between them. She runs to go get uh, the bouncer who then comes and then like snatches the guy up and then throws him out. Yikes. So the crazy part is then the guy finds his way back in somehow. So we had to go get the bouncer again. So luckily, like, you know, I'm, I'm a very um, controlled person. You know, I'm, mil- I'm I, I was in the military. I've been around firearms. I'm trained. You know, I, I went through the, you know, the state training for, you know, concealed carry and I, I keep up on the laws and all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I have an incredible um, respect for human life. So, like, I, that is not a decision that I make, you know, lightly, you know, to, to carry it. Um, but, you know, with, with the way the world is these days, you don't really know what you're going to get yourself into. Um, that being a case in point. And I don't know what, like I said, I don't know what it is. It could have been intuition. It could have been anything, but like there was just something that night that told me you might actually need this. And, um, you know, so thankfully he didn't come back after the second time, but (laughs) 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 so around, I don't know, five or six o'clock the next morning, me and one of one of the guys that we were with, um, we keep, you know, approximately same hours because we both work, you know, jobs that require us to get up pretty early. So um, <laughs> it was funny because, you know, I go to get up and get in the shower and I woke up to, you know, a news story, you know, from a Cincinnati news station. And, uh, and he was all like, hey, this is pretty crazy. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I click on the link and sure as all get out, bam, the guy's face is like plastered all over the news oh, because from Mad Frog, he walked across the parking lot across the street and then down Short Vine and went to a, um, a music venue there called Bogarts. Right. Bogarts. I yeah. I don't know who was playing there, but um, apparently he hooked up with a couple of UC students there told them that he had weed and drugs and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And those two idiots took him back to their dorm room. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> where oh he then threatened them with a gun. Of and course up, he did. Right, right. So, and like nice. was holding one of them hostage, while well, he was holding them both hostage in the room, uh, saying, you're going to let me sleep here or I'll kill you both, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, one of them, uh, you know, got it, it was able to get out while he was sleeping or something like I, I like the the news story but was a little vague on how the, the one got out uh but then he went and called the cops well then the cops come in and then they end up tasing him <laughs> <laughs> but it took them yes. two hours to get him out it took them two hours to get wow him. yeah so um yeah, so out of all of that, then the guy ended up getting charged with a few misdemeanors. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, how do you, how do you do what? that? Like, how do you do all of that and only get away with misdemeanors? Like, uh, you know, no kidding. For, for those across the pond, a misdemeanor here is like a more minor crime, not like, you know, um, we, we, our, our, our laws are broken down into misdemeanors and felonies. And felonies are the really bad ones, rape, murder, blah, 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 and all of that. But, um, uh, the misdemeanors are, are more minor stuff. So like, did he kill anybody? No, but I don't know. Holding people against their will at gunpoint. That's, that's something. <laughs> yeah. That's not a parking ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't just roll a stop sign there. So, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, all I can say is for <laughs> multiple reasons, I'm really glad that you're Safe and healthy today, trip to yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ain't that the truth, man? Um, that's a hell of a story. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know how to respond to that. I just, I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to tell the story and and do it justice. I knew that I, I needed to get you to retell that because you you were telling it when you were here. It was after I think we were recording that day, and like you just kept telling the story, and it just kept getting crazier. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> why are we not recording this right now <laughs> right well and the funny part was i think the the look on you and tony's face uh was best when i actually pulled up the news story like oh yeah. here's the guy and it's and here he is yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's good stuff man good stuff you can't you can't make this stuff up you no. know <laughs> and that's that's what bad gig stories is all about man that's, that's right. That's, that's right. a perfect addition. Uh, maybe not as funny of, of a story, maybe a little bit scary. I'm, I'm more glad that you're safe than anything. But Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, you're, you're concerned about, I mean, you know, you're on high alert. It's, a, it's an anxious thing, you know, thing that's happening at the, in the moment. But, you know, you can look back and laugh at it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I hope that, you know, whatever whatever that guy has going on i hope he finds help for it because that yeah, you're that, here that's uh that, that that's some scary stuff you know for other people uh to be put into got one last uh, quarantine related question for you yeah i know you have an xbox now are you getting into gaming at all at this time at home yeah um well not not since the quarantine um I, I i did start a while back so um uh i'm really into halo nice um, good answer yeah i mean it you know the halo 3 was probably like my most favorite game on the xbox 360 like mm -hmm. ever um, we used to have huge Halo parties where we had two Xbox 360s and then we would get like eight people to come over and everybody's drinking. We got two separate TVs oh, going yeah. 
all of that stuff. And, you know, so, um, uh, and so when I got the Xbox one, uh, back on black Friday, I found a really good black Friday deal on one. Um, and then I did the game pass. Well, it turns out that, you know, I saw halo five guardians. Out mm-hmm. there. I was all like, wow, this looks a lot like halo three. Like maybe I'll like that. So I download it and pfft, done, done. I, I've, I've downloaded other games. I've bought other games. I can't get off of it, man. I love, <laughs> it just, well, if you, if you're, if you're a classic halo fan, you should also check out, uh, Sorry, my dog is making Colin. <laughs> my dog saw my wife arriving. <laughs> um, if you're a classic Halo fan, check out the Master Chief collection. Okay. It's really good. It's Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, and Reach. And oh, wow. it has the remastered versions of 1 and 2. So you can play through. If you want to play through all the old campaigns, they're nice, crispy, new textures and high resolution and good frame rate. And nice. It's a whole new experience. It's pretty cool. Yeah, the one thing that I screwed up on is um, I saw Final Fantasy. Hey. I saw like a, uh, what do you call it? A Final Fantasy uh, remix or something. But yeah. I got, the, but like I saw the Roman numeral wrong. So it was, <laughs> fi- it was Final Fantasy VIII. Okay, and I downloaded yeah. it thinking it was Final Fantasy VII and thought it was like some remake or remaster or something like that. And of course it wasn't. So now I'm sitting there, I'm like. <laughs> they did just come out with one for seven for the, the a demo, the playable demo on the PlayStation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See? The playable demo of the seven remake, which I played through and is amazing. But yeah. I guess we're way off topic now. I could talk about that the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Geronimo Jackson uh on xbox live um uh but it's geronimo and the the o between o and j like the last o in geronimo is actually a zero but yeah geronimo jackson and i'm land snark so it's like land shark the beer but snark and with an n land snark funny you say that (laughs) land shark the beer when you say land shark, I think Saturday Night Live in the late <laughs> 70s, early 80s. <laughs> like, not that it, that was even my generation of, right. <laughs> of Saturday Night Live. That was my mom's generation. And I'm just like, but like, that was such an iconic, like, skit, <laughs> like, land shark. <laughs> well, yeah. But now, now's the time, I guess. That's, that's my uh, tag on Xbox Live, PSN, Steam, all, all the things. So yeah. go, go ahead and add us. We're, we're home. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Depending on how long this thing goes, I might actually, you know, once I get a few more of my organizational type products or uh, projects done, you know, then I'll probably have some more time and will be doing that. Um, Gaming, though, like, because I love Halo so much, and that's the one I play so much, but I, and I, and I do like the new Mortal Kombat. Um, Mm -hmm. I was playing the new Mortal Kombat that, like, I, I, I'm not good at it, but I, I do. Satisfying do. to play those. Yeah, yeah. It's crunchy. Um, <laughs> but, um, but so I was playing Halo uh, a lot, and uh, Ellie, my four-year-old, you know, so she would see it, and she wants to play too, you know, and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, you know explaining to her that they're robots. You know, right. they're not real people. They're just robots. And I think it, after the first week, you know, and she's got the controller and she goes, I'm killing them. I'm killing them. <laughs> 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 that was all like, 
And then Gina looks at me and she goes, yeah, yeah. See what you did? I'm all like, yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so gaming in my house has been relegated to after 8 PM when Ellie's in bed. <laughs> I understand. I remember, I remember having to do the same thing for the same reason. Yep. Yep. But I tried to explain to her, no, you're not killing them. You're breaking them. They're robots. They break. <laughs> right. they, they don't die. Break. You're, they're causing them to malfunction. <laughs> She wasn't picking up what I was laying down, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk tonight. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're uh, you're doing well over there. Take care of the family. Um, if you want to uh, jump on and do some more recording while you're here at home, we can do some more of these uh, online things. Um, I'm ready when you are. <laughs> right. Are you trying to fight me right now? Like the, the guy at the bar hitting your chest? <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> and thanks for sharing your story, buddy. Appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Take care, man. All right. You too. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening to our third installment in the Bad DJ Gigs series. Uh, if you like this episode, please jump on that YouTube channel. Like I said, youtube.com slash passionate DJ. Maybe give this a like or a thumbs up. Uh, hit that little notification bell. Give YouTube some kind of signal that you like uh, this kind of episode. That way, uh, both they know that you like us and we know what kind of content you like. And uh, we know if we should make an episode four of Bad DJ Gigs. Uh, we would love to keep collecting them. This is one of our favorite kind of shows to do. So thank you so much. Stay safe out there and keep on spinning.